0: hello friends welcome to our power is within podcast i'm your host Chasmith, and my mission for this podcast is to inspire you to take your power back and to realize that you are the healer that you have been looking for all along if you're enjoying the content from this podcast and the guests that i've had on the show there's a few ways that you can help support future episodes first click the subscribe button so you have every new episode waiting for you in your podcast library and you do not miss a good one Secondly, you could leave a five star rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. You could share your favorite episode with a friend on your social media and tag me at Our Power Is Within. And lastly, at the bottom of the show notes, you will find a direct link to a tip jar where you can support future episodes if you do feel called to do so. Okay, so this week's challenge could not get any more simple, you guys. Maybe not always easy, but definitely simple. And all we have to do is, smile. Yeah, that's right. It's a smile challenge. So the challenge is to smile often, smile just because, smile because you choose it, smile even if you look silly as shit, smiling for no reason at all out in public, (laughs) Mm, smile even if you don't feel like it, and a smile especially when you don't feel like it. Smile to help your nervous system feel safe. Smile to help yourself know that you are okay. Smile at yourself. Smile at everyone else each and every day for the entire week. Are you catching on? Yep, that's right. We're going to smile a lot. (laughs) And you never know, some organic laughter might come into the mix of this experiment. (laughs) Have fun with it. Uh, smile, be silly, smile silly, laugh at yourself. And if you feel called to snap a shot of yourself smiling in action and uh, share it on social media and tag me, do that. Or if you have a really wonderful experience through this and you want to share the results, uh, go ahead and send me a DM as well. I love to hear from you guys. Okay. So let's go ahead and talk about today's episode. Speaking of smiling and creating safety, I have Tessa McCarney back for round two. Uh, we had so much fun chatting together for that first episode, and we both knew that we left some juicy topics on the table that we really wanted to revisit, so... Um, Yeah, so she's back. Yay. Welcome back, Tessa. Um, I will warn you, there are a couple, just a couple (laughs) super odd sounding edits in there today. Um, Bear with me on this. Uh, We did the best we could, Um, but the message is totally worth it. We talk today all about how to create safety in our nervous systems, as well as how to approach graded exposure and discern what is the right window of tolerance for you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as part one, and if you did miss part one, uh you will find the first chat with Tessa on episode number sixty two So let's go ahead and get into it All right, Tessa welcome uh back to the podcast for
1: part two.- <laughs> thanks for having me
0: yeah this is uh this is a funny tidbit, but you're actually the first person that I've had on for a part two, and especially so close together.
1: Really? Well, I feel very honored.
0: Yeah, you were in high demand. What can we say? (laughs) 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 So the reason um, for everyone listening that we have Tessa back on for part two so soon is because... We were having a wonderful conversation for part one, and we barely got through a fraction of the questions, and we left some really fun topics on the table, so we just decided that we had to reconnect and finish hashing out some of these really fun topics related all things healing. Mm -hmm. What I had in my notes for us today was that we were talking about how there's a ton of different ways that we can communicate to both our limbic system, nervous system, that, um, that these past traumas and experiences that we have had, that though they can feel scary, they don't need to be anymore. And so I was wondering if we could just kind of dive right in and let you start speaking about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So let me first say that there's so many ways in which we can do this, and there's no one right way. Um, we have to remember that in that concept in general, because I think we have a tendency, and, and I can't remember if I talked about this last time or not. So tell me if I did. Um, but we have a tendency to hear oh, there's like this way of doing this thing and here's all this terminology you need to learn for doing this other thing. And it just, it gets pretty convoluted, I think, and there's a lot of pressure to do so many different things at the same time. And I also think it gives away our power to all of these methods and strategies and therapies and we lose our autonomy. So before I even begin, look at what you need look at the what resonates with you um, and and feel into it. Um, that way you can decide which works best for you. Um, but don't feel pressured or stressed to do anything I say. Just kind of listen to it take it in, oh, hey, I think this might help for this thing, right? I don't want to cause anybody to feel like, oh, I have to do this now because Tess is saying I have to do it. (laughs) Um, Right. Like, I have to do this
0: or I won't heal.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly.
0: Or I would also say, Mm -hmm. don't feel like you have to do all of it. Correct. You know, because I think what a lot of us get into this mindset is, oh, okay, I'm really excited to heal. So I'm just going to do all of it. And then maybe I'll heal faster, you know, or I'll like, oh, it's like you take that overachiever into how you approach healing. And you try to just do all the things without really sitting back and deciding and noticing what shows up in your body and your mind and what resonates with you, what feels good to you, what you Mm -hmm. find yourself enjoying doing.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that there's also a right time for certain things. Like maybe this, what I am about to describe, maybe it'll work for you in two months. So kind of just keep it in the back of your mind. Oh, hey, this sounds great, but maybe I'm not at that point right now. And I think we all know if we're ready for something like this, or if maybe we can put it on the back burner for a few weeks or months. Um, And, you know, it's worth trying it, too, if you don't know. You can try it and see and then decide after that. There's no harm in that either. So, anyway, that was my little caveat. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here are the ways in which I have coached my clients to be able to let go of past traumas. Um, these are the ways that we can communicate to the limbic system that past traumas, yes, were difficult and challenging in the past, but they do not need to feel relevant any longer. Um, because if they're still feeling relevant, then that means the limbic system's still holding on to them. And if that happens, it's very difficult for the limbic system to want to feel as though the world is a safe place. We have to remember that the limbic system does not understand time in the same ways that we do. And I may have said this last time as well, but for those of you who maybe didn't listen to it last time, or maybe I didn't say it, um, it can feel as though a trauma from 15 years ago is still happening right now. Um, The limbic system doesn't have that concept of that was then and this is now. So we have to get the limbic system to let go of that past trauma and move on. And we don't have to go into it. We don't have to get into the details of it. We don't have to dig into the past. We can very gently help the limbic system lift that emotion away or peel that emotion away so that it just feels like any other memory. Um, And that's exactly what we want to happen so here's here's the few ways so the the ways that I've looked at it is there's kind of like two um, basic ways we either want to make peace with the past trauma or we need to find a way to see them from a different angle so I'll start with making peace with them so here's an example So the limbic system is holding on to a past trauma where somebody hurt you emotionally as a kid and it embarrassed you in front of others. And that's just a random example, but that happened to me. And um, 20 years later, I was still experiencing the embarrassment of it. And if I told the whole story, somebody who had never been in that similar situation might be like, that was traumatizing. Yeah, it was very traumatizing to me because I was five. (laughs) So the limbic system can hold on to that trauma for many, many years. And a lot of times we don't even recognize that the limbic system has held on to that trauma and doesn't want to let it go because trauma is protective. It doesn't want to let go of it because it wants to keep those situations from happening again. So it seems relatively innocent. But it absolutely, or sorry, these um, being, um, sorry, hopefully you can edit this out. Um, Being embarrassed in front of others as a kid can seem relatively innocent, but it absolutely can feel traumatizing. And it 100% counts as being a trauma if that's what it feels like to you. So, you know, stress is in the eyes of the beholder. We have to remember that. So anyway, to continue, if we were young and we didn't know any differently, someone embarrassing us can feel like trauma. So what we want to do is we would want to say to the limbic system, yes, that was a difficult experience. And of course, it would still feel upsetting to you and relevant to you. It was hard, right? Label the emotions that you feel. Uh, Validate the limbic system for what it experienced, Um, so you would continue, like you felt embarrassed and hurt. You felt singled out and sad, felt like everyone was looking at you. Of course you would feel this way. Um, and the labeling the uncomfortable emotions and validating the limbic system. We want to do that as much as we need to, um, as much as we need to, to feel that sense of, ah, that, that feels good. Good. It feels good to be heard, even if we're only being heard by ourselves. (laughs) So then we continue on to say, but this is now, and that was then. So it's kind of like shifting to observing how we are experiencing something. That was then, limbic system. This is now. Think about that. This is the present moment. Look around you. Is it happening now? It's not happening now. It was a long time ago. You were little, and you were a little kid, and, and you were sad, and, and right now you can pretend to give yourself a hug, um, but how does holding on to that past experience help us move forward in our life? Um, you, you, know, you did the best that you could in that moment. You did the best that you knew how, and you were a sweet little kid. You did nothing wrong. So we go through the labeling and the validating and then just talking to ourselves about how it's not now it was back then and how it's okay to let it be in the past. Um and listen after you do that kind of just listen within feel into it. What resonated with you when you were talking and speaking to yourself? Do you need more validation? Does the limbic system need to hear that it wasn't your fault? Um, listen to what makes you feel more peace when you say it. Does it feel good when you say, oh, limbic system, you were so young and you didn't know any different. You, you did the best that you could. Does that feel good? Because if it does, you need to say it more. You need to do it more. You might even want to do this as an exercise where you like write it down and just just so you remember, oh, this is what my limbic system needs here to let go of this trauma and to make peace with it. So then you want to say that whatever resonates with you, whatever makes you feel that ah uh, feeling, um, say that more. Say it a lot of times. Um, this kind of a conversation, although simple, can be profound to the limbic system. Because a lot of times we run away from memories of trauma in the past, instead of talking through it in a helpful way, instead of letting the limbic system know that it's okay, we tend to just pretend it's not there or run away from it. Um, pretend that we're not hearing it in our mind. Try to distract ourselves. Right? We've all we've all probably done that. So. Um, it's, it's similar um, to how clients will tell me that, for example, the sound of a fan triggers them. Um, I don't think that's very common, but I've heard it a few times where I've had clients say, you know, I can't get my limbic system to realize that that sound is not, is not a trigger, doesn't need to be a trigger. So what I tell them to do is go up to the fan and say, see that? It's a fan the propeller is spinning. It's making noise. It's moving the air. You see the air moving. Do you see that? Do you hear it? See it's safe. It's okay. It's just a fan. And it's so simple. It's, but it's the same concept as what we're talking about. Like kind of labeling what we observed at the time, explaining what it was explaining that it's not a threat. Um, it's the same thing as walking up to a fan and talking about how it works and what it's doing. Um, We don't think to do this because in our conscious mind, within our prefrontal cortex, it kind of seems silly. But to the limbic system, that explanation can be hugely impactful because it changes the limbic system's perception. Because we're not just walking away from it and thinking, oh, I don't like that noise, right? We're addressing it and gently and lovingly explaining it to the limbic system. Hey, this is what this is. Look at it. You can look at it. It's okay. So sometimes the limbic system really needs us to treat it as if it is a child. And that's what you would do to a young child, right? I actually experienced that with my son today. He was afraid of the dryer at my parents' house because it's so loud. And my sh- and my dad had his shoes going in it. So it was even louder. So we walked up to it and we talked about what it was. And he wanted to run away. And I was like, no, it's okay. Just look at it, right? Listen to it. It's not scary. It's just a dryer. It's just sitting there. And we don't think to do that to ourselves. We forget we have this young child within us. So that making peace section, um, you can really relate that to, how would I talk to a child about this? What would the child need to hear? And that can really help the limbic system to release that trauma and see it more as just something that happened in the past. Mm -hmm. So that's the making peace section if you have any questions or comments or ideas before I move on. I have a question. Okay, so
0: in your experience um with th- your own personal experience and as a coach with your clients, do you notice if people need to do this like talking to their system pertaining to like one trauma um often or is it like a one time conversation like in your experience with the embarrassment mm. how many times did you find that you had to readdress this issue and like you know gently and kindly talk to your system mm. to bring awareness um you know, that it was okay and that you're validating the feelings that they were, you know, valid and that mm-hmm. we can change things now. Like, was this a one t- one and done or mm-hmm. is this something you had
1: to do re- repetitively mm-hmm. every day? Yeah. So I found with that memory or that trauma um, in particular that it was coming up and presenting itself during more stressful periods of time, like it would just pop into my head. And I think you can probably resonate with that. And, and everybody listening knows what that's like, where like things from 20 years ago, just pop into your head. And you're like, where did that come from? (laughs) Um, and so that's when I would do it. When you start noticing, oh, this memory keeps popping up and it's, and it brings me pain or discomfort. That's when you want to do it. And at first, the conversation is going to be really detailed. You're going to be talking a lot to yourself about – or you're going to be validating and labeling and then explaining what happened to yourself for like a few minutes or as long as you need to. And then over time, it gets shorter and shorter. And the limbic system needs less of the validation and the labeling and just a little quick like, hey, it's okay. It was a long time ago, right? We leave that in the past now. And then it's just incredible how then it just doesn't come up again. And You're like, oh my gosh, that really did work. (laughs) Amazing. So I would say address it when it pops in. And each time it pops in, Um, And just know that you won't have to do that really in-depth, like five-minute conversation with yourself for months and months. Um, That'll just be the first few times. And then after that, it shortens and it gets quick and easy and simple. And then those pathways just prune away and it becomes a memory with no emotion.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, And it sounds like, in a sense, rather than like this embarrassment or this situation coming up and you just redirecting and elevating your mood Mm -hmm. you're actually just having this conversation at any point um post-conversation do you do anything else to regulate co-regulate attune to your nervous system Mm -hmm. and help your nervous system feel safe
1: Mm. I think that would depend on whether or not it brought up any other emotions um Sometimes it can. Other times you can just kind of move right back into regular life and what you were doing before you had that memory. Um, If it does bring up any kind of emotion, I would say do what like centers you, what grounds you, like a breathe in and hold at the top, breathe out and hold at the bottom, Um, look around you and say like, this is where we are in this, in this moment. There's the ceiling, here's the floor, touch the wall, touch the chair, like we're here right now. We are not in that past memory. And maybe if you feel that emotional charge, maybe that means you need to do more labeling and validating it probably means that you didn't do that enough because your limbic system might want to be heard more and and might need more of that validation and that love. Um, so yeah, I would say just a couple minutes of just kind of recentering yourself should be okay because we're not digging into it. We're not going back to those moments and thinking about exactly how we felt or exactly what happened. It's more of just the memory pops in. Okay, what does it make us feel? And then we address that feeling. So it shouldn't be too uh, emotional after we go through that process. If it is, sit with the validation and the labeling a little bit longer. Okay. Mm, Great question.
0: Awesome. Mm -hmm. Now, and then you said the second one or the second main one was Mm -hmm. to see the trauma from a different angle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so (laughs) I think there's, as I said before, there's no right way in doing this, but I would generally say to clients, try making peace with it first, if you can, because it's just a simple way of doing it, but if that doesn't resonate with you, or if it doesn't seem like it's working that well, um, that's just maybe not what the limbic system is desiring, and that's okay. So, seeing um, the trauma from a different angle. So, in this way, we're going to kind of reshape the trauma for the limbic system. Um, so, when the the trauma is, oh, let me also say this: if there is a trauma in the past that you know that you really want to see from a different angle or make peace with, but it's not popping up here and there, Um, you can also just lightly bring that trauma to your mind. Like if you wanted to do this as like – a a training kind of a incremental training so to speak um type of a situation um then you can lightly bring it up to your to your mind um and we don't want to get too deep like i said earlier we just bring it up gently oh this happened and then address it um with trying to make peace or and i'll get into this next part so we want to in order to reshape it um We want to look at some questions. And I'm sure after I list these questions, you might think of something else that we could ask ourselves or whoever is listening could think of some other questions that might be helpful. But what I usually go through with my clients is, how did I grow from that experience? What did I learn? How am I a better person now than I was before that experience? What did it teach me? What lesson did I learn that I wouldn't have learned otherwise? Because I think sometimes or a lot of times with traumas, it's really hard to see any good that comes of it. And 99.9% of the time, good doesn't come from it. But does growth happen? Are we learning anything? Um, Are we a better person because of that experience in any way? And even if you can just answer one of those questions with one very simple thing, like I'm a more empathetic person now, that's very simple, but now we can shift to look at that trauma in a different way. Okay, if that hadn't happened, then I wouldn't be as empathetic as I am today. And let's take a look at how my empathy impacts me as a person makes me a really good person, how it impacts my relationships, how I can have these really deep conversations with friends and, and be there for them with this empathy, right? So that very simple answer can then drive you down a long path to see how your empathy has been such a wonderful piece of your life now. So, um, so we, we look at those questions and oftentimes we can see we're stronger as a result of that experience, that we have better boundaries now as a result, that we are more empathetic, like I said, that we learned how resilient a person can be. And, um, you know, although it may not be obvious if we do just a little bit of digging, I think we can find out that these situations do teach us something or create growth. So the example I'm going to use is a toxic relationship, because it's hard to see what good comes of a toxic relationship. But we can definitely learn lessons. And we can shift our brain to thinking about those lessons instead of thinking about the trauma. So it's not really pruning a pathway, so to speak. Um, It's more of shifting into creating new associations with this trauma. So What can we learn from a toxic or abusive relationship? Um, Maybe we learned what we don't want in another person. Maybe we can see more clearly what we deserve now. Um, I know in that traumatic relationship that I was in, I never would have known what I didn't want in a person. And maybe I would have ended up in a worse relationship following that one if I hadn't learned that lesson. Um, I think it was really important, um, in my maturation as a young adult, it strengthened my boundaries. It actually taught me what boundaries are. I didn't know. Um, and, and then I can, so I can shift to thinking about, oh my gosh, what value I, I can find now in, yes, what seemed like trauma, but I have boundaries now. Isn't that wonderful? I am more resilient than i have ever been. Look at how i handled that. I am so strong. We can look at like how we're proud of ourselves how we handled certain situations. And of course, we're never going to be able to be proud of everything we did, but just isolating one one or a couple of parts of it. Look at what i did. Look at um look at how strong i was. That can really shift the brain away from thinking about that trauma into other pathways. So, basically, the concept is we want to we want the brain to see a different side of the event, a different angle. Um, and if we can focus on reshaping that trauma within our mind, the limbic system will allow it to take another form. So, once we figure out what that other form can be, this is another place where I would probably write it down okay, when when this past trauma pops into my mind, this is what I do. I say, and then write down how you want this trauma to be reshaped. Because if we can catch it really quickly when it pops into the mind, and we can now feed the brain this other way of looking at it, we can really start to change the brain's perception of what happened in the past. So that will come in the form of just a memory with none of that charged emotion eventually. Um, and the last thing about this is we have to remember that trauma comes down to interpretation. So one event that can seem very traumatic to one person um, may just seem like an inconvenience to another. And that's a very powerful concept because if Our perceptions can be different at the time of a trauma, then we can shift our perceptions about that trauma over time. And we can create um, a new association with it so it can feel differently within us. Um, And uh, last thing actually that I wanted to say is sometimes it helps to think about it as if this trauma didn't happen to you. So if you're having trouble answering those questions, Imagine it happening, happening to another person. So how could that other person in that same situation see that trauma differently? What could they have learned? How could they have grown? And try to see what you can come up with. Because Sometimes if we take the pressure off that it's us, um, then the brain will allow us to be more creative. Um, a lot of time that a lot of times the apprehension of going through a process is because we're talking about ourselves and we went through it so it was my friend that it happened to or that random person over there let's see what we can come up with and what we think they could do That's just a little bit of a shift shift in perception um, that can, help free up some space and allow our brain to feel safer and allow our brain to want to uh, allow us to be creative and to think about different options and, and um, things of that nature.
0: Another question that I always ask myself, even And I know this is a hard one for people sometimes too, especially if you're in pain or you still feel intense emotion, it's hard sometimes in the thick of things to ask how was or how is this for me? Mm. But that's what I always ask myself because I really like to hold the belief um, that the universe is for me Mm -hmm. and that everything in my life has been for me. Mm. So I like to ask that question, like, how was this for me? No. You know, your example of a toxic relationship, oh, this experience gave me, you know, you said you learned what boundaries were. And I always think, oh, this was an experience that gave me an opportunity mm. to step into my truth, to honor my boundaries, to discover my worth. So it's like that, That what seemed like a really, uh, you know, traumatic experience, there was always, like usually there's always something there for us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Look like how you framed that.
0: It's interesting because I found, uh, I find still that I actually use a combination of both of your examples, the part one and part two. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that for me, that combination. And I know you said at the beginning, like encouraging everyone to try things on and see what really works for them or resonates. Yeah. And so for me, I do both. I, I, for find that like my inner child really wants um, to be validated, mm. to be heard, to be seen, yeah. and uh, and then also it's this beautiful opportunity where once I give her the space she needs and the love and seeing her letting her express how she really felt and and all that, then I can step into adult main personality Chasmith and say, okay, and now. I can ask, how was that for me? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. yeah. how did that make me a better person? Mm -hmm. How did I grow through this? How did it support me in some way? Mm
1: -hmm. So I
0: really love using both.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that can be very effective. And like you said, try it on, see how it fits you. Um, what combination works best for you and go with Mm -hmm. that. And it's going to look different. It might even like shape itself differently over time. Maybe sometimes making peace with something works better, but then you shift into needing to ask yourself these questions a few weeks or a few months later. Mm -hmm. You might need to shift.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe like you have the emotional expression and it's not so deeply charged anymore, but like, things still kind of keep showing up where you have to be like okay well we already went through this mm-hmm. and this is the benefit and we're gonna shift this way now and...
1: yeah yeah Absolutely. but it's so
0: true that this isn't like it's not usually a one and done you know it's it's yeah. like you said it doesn't mean it has to take forever but it's usually not that simple because it's repetition that helps create those permanent shifts so it's yeah. it's showing up kind of like um, yeah, when we did, when you know, it's just it's that repetition of showing up for yourself every day mm-hmm. and redirecting uh, the the
1: patterns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then hopefully over time, being able to catch it quicker, mm-hmm. so we can redirect to these new pathways and how we want to reshape the trauma um, as quickly as we can, so that we don't give any energy to that the old pathways.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, what is your opinion on, say, somebody who's listening, and it's the uh, and they and they're sitting there listening to this all, and they're like, "Yeah, this is great," but my trauma was a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I had something more serious happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're giving very, you know, like examples that are easier things. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you, if you had a client say something like that to you, how would you approach that, or what exam, yeah. um, what uh, advice would you give them?
1: Yeah. And I've definitely um, had those traumas that you're speaking about in my past. And I have clients ask me that same question. Um, I would say that like you were describing and how what you like to ask yourself, um, there's always going to be a question that we can ask ourselves that's going to give us just the tiniest little glimpse of something that came out of it that we can use here. There's always going to be something, even if, like I was using that example um, previously, I think when I was talking about making peace, of how even if you can just find that now I am more empathetic to other people's experiences of what other people have gone through, you can take that and you can go and explore. Okay, where has empathy brought me in my life? What good things has empathy done for me? Or how have I used empathy to benefit others? So find something really, really small and then sit with that. Maybe write it down. Maybe look at a definition of what empathy is so you can really be creative here. Because there's something really, really small that you can find that you can elaborate on and make it into something that can help to even take, even just to take a little bit of emotion away from a trauma is going to help your nervous system to not feel like it needs to hold on to that trauma or that that trauma is so relevant and needs to be here in the present moment, right? So even if we can just chip away at it just a little bit, that's going to help the rebalancing of the whole system.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm. I know um, I, how I was saying that I, you know, my, I hold the belief that the universe is for me. Mm. And uh, I know I've talked about on the podcast before that I, I guess I'm at a place where I feel like um, I, I want my beliefs to be empowering, you know? Mm. So another thing I truly believe Is that we choose it all, like we choose our life, Mm. even though it's a it's a hard one to grasp sometimes. Mm -hmm. To think, no, 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 like conscious me didn't choose this, Mm. you know. But I always go back to, yeah, but there's some part of my soul or like my unconscious that did choose it because it was for me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know. So that's why I never want to discredit the feelings that I had Mm. of the experience. But then I also want to go back to that belief and be Mm. like, okay this i chose this somehow you know like Mm. hey i chose to be here in this time i chose Mm. some of these situations and i i know for me that really helps um to ease the emotional charge with some things that i've gone through Mm -hmm. although i will say (laughs) even recently (laughs) i had this little like Conscious Chaz battle with unconscious Chaz, and conscious Chaz was like, "Damn it, I know I choose these things, but are like, I know you unconsciously chose these things, but conscious Chaz didn't. <laughs> <laughs> like conscious Chaz doesn't want to deal with this. Mm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Have
0: my little moment, take a deep breath, and then uh, mm. shift, you know, into responsibility." <laughs>
1: yeah. I think that that can be really hard. I'm thinking in terms of like the death of a loved one. That's the one area where I feel like that can be really tricky, right?
0: Yeah. Mm. Oh, totally. Mm. But we don't, it's not that we chose somebody to die, but we're having this human experience and death is unfortunately a part of it, mm-hmm. you know? hmm
1: mm-hmm. And we
0: chose to love and mm-hmm. and without the love, we wouldn't experience the loss and the grief of the death.
1: Yeah. So that's how you would reshape that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. it's courageously loving, you know. Like I Mm -hmm. I lost my dog a few months ago. Well, I Mm -hmm. I chose to adopt a senior dog Mm -hmm. and I chose to open my heart to her. Mm -hmm. And I had to go into that knowing that there was gonna be a period of grief and sadness and loss. Mm -hmm. And it's like this constant reminder that, like, well, how heavy these feelings are right now. Would I do it over again? Would I have rather have not had her Mm -hmm. and had that love Mm -hmm. that I felt? Oh, gosh, no. Mm -hmm. I would do it all over again and again and again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that.
0: Because that's for us, too, being willing to like love courageously and open your heart.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: You know? I mean, look at parents do it every day. <laughs> they have yeah. children. Yeah. There's a risk. There's always a risk.
1: Yeah,
0: You don't choose it, but you choose to love and create space and open your heart for that, for that level of love.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love
0: yeah. So that's just kind of my little... Yeah. Like what's worked for me, you know, to share mm-hmm. with it, uh, to share with everyone listening and just, again, see what you can explore and what works for you. Yeah, I would also say that sometimes if you find yourself initially resisting something, it's really good to kind of check in with yourself and mm-hmm. say, why am I resisting this so bad right now? Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. some of the best things I have found for me were things I initially was so resistant of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I had to step back and be like, why is my ego resisting this so hard?
1: Mm-hmm there's always a reason
0: yeah yeah. it's funny though every time I do lose a dog I'm like I'm never doing this again Mm -hmm. (laughs) I get rid of all the things donate a car full of dog toys and beds and all this and then you know uh, in this situation three months later I'm going back to the store because I got a new dog
1: (laughs) (laughs) I chose to love again
0: yeah because it's so worth it yeah Yeah.
1: so
0: worth it (laughs) Okay, this is good stuff. I do Mm want to shift and get into another topic. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Training zones for all of our brain retrainers out there. Yeah, I think I tend to think about it really differently than than a lot of people do, um, especially from like a program-based approach. And I've seen a lot of success with my clients when they take on this different understanding, um, when they're willing to open up their mind to it. Um, To some of you listening, this might seem really out of the box, um, but just listen to the science behind it and the reason why um, and be open to it. So... First of all, um, before I even get into talking about zones, um, I want to say that we don't want to see our imbalanced nervous system as a sickness or an illness that gets worse if we're triggered by something. I see this all the time. I have clients who want to make immediate appointments with me because they, quote unquote, went out of their zone. And I've heard of my clients saying, like, I had this coach and they told me I went out of my zone and it's like this big fearful thing, but it doesn't need to be. And I think it comes back to the idea that we have a tendency to see an imbalanced nervous system as a sickness more than what it actually is. It's an imbalance. And that's because we are using what we know of the world and what we've known about the world in the past to create meaning within this whole experience of having this imbalanced nervous system, right? That's how our brain organizes, stores, and learns information. It's by looking at the past and similar situations, right? That's how, that's how we build knowledge. So we know From the past, what happens when we have a cold? Because we've had those before. We've seen others have those. We've seen them on TV. We know what to expect. We know that when we get a cold and we go out for a run or we go to a social event instead of resting and drinking fluids, that the cold doesn't necessarily get better as quickly as it could. Similarly, if we scrape our leg, and we don't clean it. It doesn't tend to heal as quickly. So that's what we know about healing. So then we tend to see this process of graded exposure. And we, we compare them to what we know about healing in the past. And it builds fear. So we don't want to see the rebalancing of our nervous system in comparison to what we know about healing in the body from the past. The brain does not heal like that right? And we don't have an illness. I, I have a lot of clients that will call this an illness. You don't have an illness. You have an imbalance. Your nervous system has been impacted by stress and trauma over time. And that's a very important distinction to make sure that we fully understand. And if you don't completely understand that, do a little bit of digging, do a little bit of, of searching to figure out why. What piece are you missing? Do you look at this as something that needs to be healed? Because if you do, I would definitely challenge you to look at this differently. So I like to envision the nervous system imbalance as being like, a balancing board or a level that isn't quite evened out um, or choppy ocean water that's slowly calming or as anything else that that can be choppy but levels out and calms over time if you compare that to how we see um, and know of healing in the body compared to healing in the brain when we look at healing in the body there's this like end point right when we have a cold we look for that cold to be over so we go back to how we felt prior to the cold and that's fine that's a good thing but if we look at this imbalance as being something that needs to be healed and we're looking at this end point um, I think it just it causes more um, frustration and expectations um, because we don't and cannot, conceptualize how the brain heals and we shouldn't let's let the brain do that so anyway I love that that's a much more empowering way to see it Mm -hmm. I think so too
0: yeah because it really does take out the like you said the expectations the fear and all the other stuff that comes along with the other the other school of thought
1: yes yes yeah and when we look at it as an imbalance, as opposed to we need to be healed, um, then we can do more with these incremental exposures. Mm -hmm. It lessens the fear within us because I think that when we look at healing, as it happens in the body, we think, well, I can't do more than what I did the other day, because then I'm getting further away from my healing. But as I said before, that's not how the brain heals. The brain actually heals by being challenged and by seeing, by being um, gently and lovingly guided to see things differently in those moments where the water is choppy. So. Let's look at triggering ourselves as just adding a little bit of choppiness to the water, but that doesn't change the fact that eventually this choppy water is going to slowly even itself out and one day be totally calm and peaceful. So when we put ourselves in situations that challenge our nervous system, and then that happens to trigger us, we're not causing any issues. Sure, the nervous system's not happy. The nervous system's not happy with us. It's like, no, don't do that. It's not safe. Well, think about that. So if the nervous system is thinking this isn't safe, here's your opportunity. No matter how turbulent the water feels in that moment, here's your opportunity to say, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. It actually is safe. So if we think about it in that way, we look at it like that, then there is no like, overly triggering ourselves. There is no zone. There is just us, um, triggering our nervous system into a place of the nervous system thinking, no, 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 no. And us saying, yes, yes, we can. We're okay. And, and if you feel like you, you are triggered, and I think we've all been here, um, you're triggered to the point where, you just feel like you need to go home and just be alone (laughs) or you need to do something that really grounds you, you need to do a meditation or um, whatever it may be, that's okay. You did not cause any damage. We just need to do a little extra nourishing after that, right? right?
0: Like you're saying that we have gotten kind of conditioned to think that having a symptom as a result of, you know, Exposure therapy, incremental Mm -hmm. training—however you want to label it—we think that going out and and exposing ourselves to certain triggers or doing things that we once were, um, we thought we were incapable of doing or we weren't able to do. You're saying that, like a lot of times, what we've what has happened is we get we become afraid of the symptom Mm. of this training, this incremental training or or exposure when in reality, the symptom is not to be afraid of. It's just Mm -hmm. a symptom. It's not like you just undid all your training and you just Mm -hmm. like got, like you just undid all the healing you've done so far and Mm -hmm. got worse. Like you're just having Mm -hmm. a symptom. And in the first episode, you talked about how you would go somewhere. And if you were exposed to like a trigger, you would stay as long as it was Even if you were having a symptom, as long as you could still like stay in a good mood and all that, and that Mm -hmm. the the factor to determine whether or not you would stay or go would be if it would become too intense. So, not that you were afraid of the symptom, more just like, okay, well, this is going to be more intense than I am willing to like put up with right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like the basic idea is how are we treating the nervous system when it feels that triggered? Are we experiencing that trigger and thinking, oh, no, this is bad. I just undid everything that I've been working on for the past month. Or are we saying, "Ah, it's okay. The limbic system or the nervous system um, doesn't like this, but it's no big deal. It's just a symptom, and I can handle it. And I think we talked about that last time. Um, We want to communicate to the nervous system That in those moments, we are safe. We are okay. Um, Symptom or not, we're okay. Yeah. 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 And I think I get this a lot too, where clients will um, trigger themselves or they just happen to be triggered. And then they have uh, a symptom and then they go down that road of, oh no, I over-triggered myself, I am quote-unquote out of my zone, and this is bad. Well, what does that communicate to the brain? That communicates fear, we are unsafe, etc. And then I think that we can get stuck in that. And then we end up getting stuck there for even a couple of days if you're stuck there for a couple of days you have a tendency to think oh no i'm stuck for a couple of days how long is this going to last for
0: yeah and you know what i could see happening is if say the symptom lasts a few days it's almost as though our reaction to the symptom could cause it to linger because we're kind of stuck you know in yeah. this kind of a mental Um, cycle like Mm. that creates more stress, like that feeling like you talked about last time, I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. And then we almost could blame it on whatever the experience was rather than recognizing that it was actually our perception of the experience and our reaction to the symptom that actually really caused it to linger. And had we maybe just allowed it to happen, not judged it or labeled it, I wonder if it would go away sooner you know
1: yes exactly exactly and I can tell you that I have had so many clients I couldn't count uh how many clients I've had that want to make really um, like emergency appointments with me who say I've been stuck here for you know days or weeks I need help we talk about the initial trigger, and exactly what you described is what happened. And I will get um, an email the next day, two days later, that say, "Oh my gosh, I'm out of this." What some some people call it a stepping stone, which I like. I think it's a more positive phrasing of kind of getting stuck in this. Um, Others will call it like an ebb. Um, I don't personally prefer that terminology. Um, I don't even really like the idea of a stepping stone. I I look at it as, well, where's your belief system? How are you perceiving this? Are you blaming it on that trigger? Because you can't. We have to look at the whole circumstance. How did you handle it? What about the symptom? What were your What was your emotional response to it? And now. Where are you, what are you labeling as the cause of what you're experiencing? Can you just let it be for like a whole day? Just nourish yourself for a whole day and know that that's all the nervous system needed. And I just think that there's so much um, in this healing community where there's so much information that says if you overly trigger yourself, then you're going to be stuck in this place for days or weeks. And, and we just kind of sit with it and we, we, we just assume it's going to last as long as it's going to last. No, it's going to last as long as you allow it to last. Take your power back. Stand up and say, I can come out of this because I have all the tools and all of the knowledge I know exactly why this happened. I know why the nervous system overreacted. And I know that my response to it is why I feel stuck. So I can unstick myself. I have everything I need. Right. Yeah. And
0: okay. And so, I mean, really what it comes down to is rather than being afraid of doing anything that like gives us any symptom at all, it's more like, Hey, I'm going to actually expose myself and step into these things, but it's more about being okay with whatever shows up, being okay if a symptom shows up. So it's really more about what is your threshold? Yeah. Like what are you okay with? Like you said, how yeah. can you still elevate your mood or even if it's yeah. kind of like, "Whoa, okay, this is kind of intense, but hey, now I know for next time, you know and um and I'm cool. I'm gonna go home and take care of myself now,
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. And for next time, if you were to be in that same situation, you'll probably handle it differently. Maybe you might feel a little bit more like you want to go home and nourish, or maybe that particular day you're feeling uh, really strong and really confident, so you're going to be able to handle that even better than you did. Um And I think that's important to recognize too. Just because you did something the other day and your limbic system was like, "Yeah, I don't know about this, doesn't mean that in two days or today, you couldn't do that again and have a different result, a totally different result. So that's why expectations are really important. We don't need to have expectations of of just because something happened last week, it's going to happen again that way. Let's actually look within at our tools that we were using last time, and let's identify, well, what could we do a little bit better? How could we nourish ourselves a little bit more? How can we set ourselves up for more success? Um, how can we be gentler and kinder? Maybe we need to smile? Maybe we need to release tension from the body. It's really simple things like that that are going to set us up for success and be able to take on what the nervous system, the nervous system needs us to be in those kinds of situations where we are feeling triggered because that's how it learns, right? And I Mm -hmm. I said that earlier that we guide the nervous system through certain situations to see that, hey, actually this is safe, but it's all our emotional capacity to handle what the nervous system is experiencing in that moment. And like I said in the first podcast, sometimes I would just go home. And there is no shame in that. That's okay. You are you're honoring where you are at in that moment. But don't expect that the next time you do that, you're going to have to go home. Like, right. see that there is um, there's there's flexibility within this incremental world. It is not rigid, and it does not need to be. Some people like that rigid approach. That is perfect. Do that if that works for you. I 100% wholeheartedly support that. But if it doesn't or if it never has or maybe if you want to try something different, that's okay too. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean the major theme it sounds like here is it's all about our perception Mm. and not having the fear associated with it. It's like releasing the fear. Yes. What perception do you have about it? Again, like it's not labeling and judging it as, oh my God, I have a symptom. What did I do wrong? Mm. Oh, this is a setback. Yes. Oh, what did I do wrong? Like a symptom doesn't mean setback. A symptom doesn't mean you did some something wrong. I got in, I fell into that trap for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know what I did? Created more problems yes. because I would be, okay. I would want to like, micromanage or go down rabbit holes or be like, what did I do wrong? And then I would start thinking, oh, I was d- too much of this or I did too much of that. And I remember there was a point where I was actually, I became almost afraid of feeling excited. Mm-hmm.
1: I was afraid
0: of feeling excited because I thought that that's what I did wrong. I thought I was too excited and it created too much adrenaline. And so I did something wrong. And then mm-hmm. imagine the end result of carrying all that around, all that negative yeah. energy and those, that guilt and feeling like I was wrong. And I did more, hurt myself more. And, oh, now you can't be excited either. Yeah. So yeah. I, it's, it's, um. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I do, I am curious though, cause I know there's, so there's, I know there's probably people out there who are the ones who are very, very, very afraid and they have a very small training zone or they think they have a really small training zone and they're just really afraid to get their feet wet. They're afraid of all the symptoms rather yeah. than just like learning how to be okay with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I know there's the people on the flip side that kind of just go all in and they don't know the incremental part, you know, (laughs) like they just go too fast, too hard, you know? And Mm -hmm. uh, so do you have suggestions for any clients on finding that balance of the, of like a good amount of stimulus, but not too much?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I really think that it all comes down to your emotional capacity to handle the symptoms that are created If you can handle them and you're not feeling totally overwhelmed by them, then you're in the right place. If you're feeling really overwhelmed by them, then you need to kind of uh, just reevaluate the situation. I'll give you an example of um, when I was retraining, and I just want to say really quickly, like, I've heard your experience with being excited so many times with clients Um, and we should be able to be excited, right? And of course, yes, that does create adrenaline. So we do need to work with that. Um, We don't just want to like be excited all the time even though it's creating adrenaline and uh, not help the limbic system to see that it's okay to be excited. Like we we definitely want to, like scale back our excitement a little bit, um, smile gently, whatever comes up. We, we just observe it. Oh, limbic system, see this? It's okay. It's okay to smile. We love smiling. Oh, we'll smile a little more. Maybe we'll laugh a little more. Observe what comes up and and use the tools that you already have within you to gently show the limbic system, guide it. Hey, limbic system, see, we just smiled. It's okay. It's okay. Um, so the other thing I wanted to say was um, I wasn't in the community, the healing community, like like everyone seems to be um, these days. And I don't know if I said this last time and la- in the last podcast, but I didn't know of all of these, like I didn't know of all the terminology. I didn't know about going out of your zone. I didn't know about the fear that's associated with it. I didn't know people felt like they got stuck for days and, and weeks at a time with feeling like they're in these quote unquote ebbs. I had no idea about any of that, um, which I think was a really good thing for me. So to use my my example of, How I used to do exposure therapy is I I really just lived my life and stuff that came up I didn't look at being triggered as being good or bad Um, I would go to hot yoga classes when I had a sense like a a bit of a sensitivity to being in the heat Um, I would go to hot yoga classes and it was really tough at first like there were times where I wanted to leave the yoga class. And I let myself say, you can go if you need to, right? To not force yourself to be in places really helpful to the nervous system. That already sets us up for success. We can say, we're going to go and try this. And if you need to leave, you can go. That is totally acceptable. Um, Even if everybody in the class sees you get up and leave, who cares? They don't care. They're going to keep on with their yoga class. So I'd go to these yoga classes. I would allow myself to have that like, um, out, so to speak. And, um, and, and I would try as much as I could to just kind of, uh, think about where my pinky toe was supposed to be and where my arm should be. Yoga is really good for that because you're, you don't, you tend to to be able to distract from what's going on in your own body, but I would have a lot of symptoms in my body. Um, Some that did scare me at times, um, but I didn't know about, like I said, I I didn't know that we could go out of this quote unquote zone. I, I didn't know about any of that. So I wasn't worried about it. It wasn't in my head. So I would just use the tools I had um Like breathing in and holding, breathing out, and holding, um telling myself it's okay, saying it's okay, it's just your nervous system, it's just your limbic system, um, it doesn't like what you're doing right now, but you're doing a really wonderful thing for yourself. you're doing yoga, like look at where you are, look at everyone around you, they're doing the same thing, everyone's sweating just as much as you, and I would see that my nervous system would calm down, even being in that environment that would probably be very triggering for a lot of people, especially having the you know sensitivity to a lot of what I was doing, um, and having some symptoms that typically might cause me a little bit of fear. Um, I knew that I could leave if I wanted to. I also knew that it was just my brain. I wasn't blaming it on being in that yoga class. I wasn't blaming it on the heat. I wasn't blaming it on the the fact that I was triggering symptoms by being there. So I think that's where I learned that lesson. And then when I came more into the healing community and realized, oh, my gosh, there's like a lot of people believing these same things that are actually scaring them and causing more turbulence within the nervous system. And I'm so glad that I didn't have that experience Um, that allowed me to heal quicker. I can 100% tell you that for a fact. There were places where I stumbled and struggled and where I could have used some guidance, but that is one area where I'm so glad that I didn't have any of those preconceived ideas in my head.
0: Mm. Yeah. I wonder your thought on this. Okay, so I'm going to give an example and just tell me your thought then. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So say one day... I'm like, I wait, I slept well, I wake up, I'm energized, I'm feeling awesome. And I'm like, I'm gonna go out my garage and do a workout because I feel like moving my body and sweating and it feels so good you know cuz i love moving like i'm not i don't think oh i need to go do this i'm like mm-hmm. i love it you know mm-hmm. and then say a friend calls me and says hey you want to go on a bike ride and then i go on like an hour bike ride or you know whatever and then mm-hmm. in the evening i go on a walk to the beach to watch the sunset yada yada mm-hmm. so say i do all these activities mm-hmm. and then the next day i wake up and i am just tanked like mm-hmm. whoa so tired mm-hmm. so if we want to use the term training zone i might mm-hmm. say I might have exceeded my training zone yesterday. Mm -hmm. I have two ways I can approach that. One, I can just say, All right, that's cool. Luckily, I have time today to rest. Mm -hmm. And I just rest and know that I'll, you know, next time I'll try again. Mm -hmm. Or I could say, Oh my God, I can't believe I did too much. Now I'm going to be really tired. I could end up with chronic fatigue Mm -hmm. kicking in. Mm -hmm. All these other things could happen. Mm -hmm. And I could say, I can't do that again. And maybe like a few days go by and I finally am starting to feel better. And then I, you know, weeks go by and then I feel great again, but, and I have the urge and I want to exercise and I want to go on the bike ride, but I'm afraid now because Mm. of how I reacted or how I responded in the past. Yeah. So that's really what it is, right? Like it's one, it wasn't, Maybe I did do more than that day would have been ideal. But if that next day I'm just like, okay, well, I might've done too much for the day. Mm -hmm. I'm so lucky that I can relax today. Mm. And then maybe the next day I feel great again. And maybe I do all the fun things I love, but maybe just a little less of it or something or try Mm -hmm. again. Like, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think it's all in how we react to how the nervous system reacted. So the nervous mm-hmm. so if you feel that way the next day, that means that your nervous system feels like you did too much. But mm-hmm. you know that our bodies are meant to move, right? Yeah. We, yes, exactly. When we were hunters and gatherers, we walked 13 miles a day. Yeah. So our bodies biologically we are meant to move way more than most people move in a day. Yeah. And so if the nervous system is triggered by what you did the day before, that's okay. That just means it did not believe that what you did was acceptable, <laughs> It just has that belief. That means it's probably within your belief system somewhere, or you had experiences in the past where there was trauma associated with movement, which is very common, um, or you had that go-go-go mentality, which many of us have had, and then the nervous system um, begins to associate going, going, and going with oh, no, we're not safe. So then it doesn't want you to do a lot. So it's going to give you that repercussion. And if it does, it's all in how you handle it. When you wake up that morning and you don't feel like you did the day before, you don't say, oh, no, I over-triggered myself. Oh, no, I did too much. You say, oh, nervous system, you poor thing. You think that yesterday was too much. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry you feel that way. But oh my goodness, did that feel good yesterday? And if you don't focus on how you're feeling right then, like if you're not focused on the symptoms and if you're not fearing the symptoms, but instead you're thinking about how you know this is just the brain reacting to what it doesn't believe I should be doing. But I know I'm capable. I know I'm strong. I know the body's meant to move 13 miles a day. I know that I and, and, strengthening myself to be able to do everything I did yesterday and more and not have the nervous system react that way. So instead of getting like frustrated by the nervous system doing that or upset or fearful that you did something wrong, it's looking at the science of what actually is going on. Take yourself out of your body. Think of the situation as an observer of, of, the situation from a scientific perspective you didn't do too much because you could do way more anybody can do more than that it's what the nervous system doesn't believe is safe that holds us back so now it's our perception and it's how we handle what the nervous system throws at us the next day if you handle that with calm with ease with love um if you say it's okay like a million times that day and if you hug yourself and if you say i feel amazing i actually feel amazing i feel amazing then your nervous system's not going to continue to wire in the association of movement equals fear movement equals no we shouldn't do that movement equals trauma from the past hmm. we're like we're totally um uh unraveling and then creating a new belief system. And that's such a great opportunity to do so. So when those, when those days happen, and they do to all of us, oh my gosh, just look at your nervous system and give it everything it's looking for, everything it needs, all of the love and all of the science. Please give it the science. Mm. I love
0: this reframe because I feel like glad that I was at a place where I at least didn't let it freak me out. And then I could just be like, Oh, I'm grateful. I have time to rest today. This is awesome. I'll just give my body what it needs. But even that is still limiting. I love how you reframed it. And it's more like it's not that I did too much. It's that my nervous system thought I did too much. But I know I am capable of way more. Yeah. That is such an awesome reframe. Yeah, and definitely. I'm going to start applying it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cuz I know
1: that I can do way more than that. <laughs> of course, of course. And I think it is helpful to have little like tidbits of information like we are meant to walk 13 miles a day. I always said that to myself when I felt like I walked for 2 minutes and my body my brain didn't want me to go any further. I always went back to, listen. This is what you are wired biologically to do. Yeah, so move. It is not your body. It is your brain. And let me also say really quickly before we end, if you don't have the ability to rest the next day, that's okay too. There were times where I felt that way, but I still had to go to work. I worked um, 40 minutes away at a really stressful environment actually, and I healed within that environment, um, which is incredible But and totally doable for everybody. Um but I would go to work after days like that and feel like oh my gosh, I can't even get out of bed, but I would because I would encourage myself. There's no pushing, there's no you have to. It's like it's okay. It's okay you feel this way, but it's an illusion too. It's your bo- it's your brain wanting you to feel this way in your body. So you can still get up. You can. I believe in you. I love you. Like all of that nourishing, all of the nourishing and loving thoughts. So even if you can't just rest the next day, you still can go. You still can do what you need to do, but do it in a really gentle and loving way and an accepting way. Uh, Let your body be how it is. Don't judge it. Um, Don't fear it. We don't need to because we need to send the most healing messages to the nervous system in those. Yeah. Levels, right.
0: Yeah. No, and that's good. That's, it's so true. Actually, when I, um, just a few months after I started uh, brain retraining, I actually had a job at a very high volume, uh, nice restaurant bartending. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I worked a very like intense, I mean, very intense on my feet, go, go, you know, moving yeah. around, like, for long shifts. And Mm. I still had throughout that experience, some really wonderful shifts Mm -hmm. in my retraining and come to think of it. I think I might've had more shifts when I'm doing stuff like that. Like you said, in a loving way, Mm. rather than kind of, I noticed that I actually do a lot worse When I'm more coddling, you know, Mm -hmm. which we can mistake as loving. And I think that's the important factor is like, what is loving? Because coddling Mm -hmm. is not loving. Just like if you have a child, coddling them is Mm -hmm. not setting them up for success. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know? And so if we coddle ourselves and, it, I mean, you have to uh, like see, like, if, and then if I'm like, oh, well, I really want to do this, but you know, if we start like micromanaging our energy units yeah. and then being like, well, tomorrow I can't rest, so I shouldn't push too hard today, mm-hmm. the underlying emotion that's driving these decisions is still fear Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm.
0: and so I'm like seeing how even when I did choose things that like I remember thinking oh well maybe I'll just do a different job that's like you know not so intense and more supportive of my healing I don't I actually realized that when I was like wait I actually I'm having a lot of fun doing this job I love my boss I really Mm -hmm. love this reason to get out of my house and have this place to go and have these connections it was – and then when I wasn't afraid of it, it was a totally different experience where I yielded uh, more results, better yes. results. Yes. Yeah.
1: If that, if that environment had been stressful and your boss was mean, then I would say, yeah, absolutely, you should leave that job. <laughs> yeah. Because that isn't going to help you heal. <laughs> no, no. Um, it's all about our emotions, right? So. Mm-hmm yeah that's yeah that's such a good oh i love this
0: last little tidbit thank you Mm for that um anything else that you wanted to share today regarding those wonderful fun topics we've gone over no i think i said it
1: all that was everything that i wanted to say (laughs) yay
0: (laughs) Well, you know, once again, thanks for being here. I'm super, super stoked to get to share part two with everyone. And Mm -hmm. I think people will really enjoy it. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate your wisdom and Mm -hmm. you bring in your experience to the table and sharing with all of us what you've uncovered.
1: Yeah. And thank you too for your experiences. It was wonderful being here. That's a wrap. I really hope this
0: gave you all some food for thought. I do want to share um, a personal story where I actually practiced this the other day. Um, I practiced talking kindly to my nervous system the way that Tessa explained it um, in, in regards to her yoga experience. Uh, as I made the decision to do something, that um, I could tell that it, instantly my nervous system was kind of activated and reacting to. So I just really practiced this like loving, kind chatting with my nervous system the way I would talk to a child who was afraid of trying something new. And I just kind of held her hand through the whole experience. I let her know that at any point we could stop, we could leave, we could walk away. When we first got in the car, I said, we can just take a nighttime drive. We don't even have to go to the place we're going like at all and I just kind of walked myself through every step of it and honestly, in the end, I ended up staying out for hours and having some of the most fun that I have had in so long, laughing the night away. And I really believe that this can be your story too. So I hope if nothing else, you take that with you into your experiences that you have in the coming weeks. And remember to smile like Literally smile an uncomfortable amount almost until your cheeks hurt. And as always, make this week great.